We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hill. And, man, we're almost to the holiday season, almost Christmas time, almost New Year's. Remember, for those weeks, we are bringing you the best of 2020, where we give you the best wrestling matches, best fights, best knockouts, best albums, best guest features. All of that good stuff in everything we talk about. So hip-hop, R&B, all three combat sports, those shows are always really fun. So make sure you guys tune in to us throughout the end of the year to hear some really great episodes. But before we get to all of that in the future, we have this episode to get through. We have tons of pro wrestling to cover in this episode. We got to talk Impact Wrestling, AEW, the crossover there with Kenny Omega going back and forth. Also, we have to talk about NXT, Finn Balor's back, so, and uh, we have one hell of a match, Kyle O'Reilly versus Pete Dunne this past week, and of course, we got a preview WWE's TLC pay-per-view that comes up this weekend, so tons of wrestling in this show. We got to start it off with some hip-hop, though. Old man, you thought my takes were wild, and I, I just dropped Fuego takes. B-Dot's list, in which I, you know B-Dot. 
I mean, the resume wise, one of the most respected people in hip hop. But he made a list of his top 10 rappers of 2020. And this is arguably the hardest year to make that list. Yeah. He tried. He swung. To me, he missed a, a lot on this list. What were your thoughts when you saw it and from the reaction on social media? Yeah, I mean, look, man. I've known B-Dot for over, uh, yeah, I've known him for about a decade. Now, it's not really we're close friends, but we knew each other from the industry and everything else. So I've always respected B-Dot's opinion on music. He's he. He's pretty good at this shit. But this list he made of the top 10 uh, rappers. To not have a single woman on there, specifically Meg The Stallion, when your criteria is, uh, I think it was ability, performance, it's and skill, presence. Skill, performance, and presence. You are right. There's no way in hell you leave Meg The Stallion off that list. There's no way. I'm not even the biggest Meg fan, but to say that 2020... Wasn't a year that Meg should be in the conversation over Lil Wayne and Drake for the year that she had? I, this is absurd. How do you leave her off of this? And then the other one, the huge omission, is Royce. And that, but see that that opinion, I think, is a little bit more um, subjective. Like you can you can say uh, I'm not a big Royce fan, but Meg, you couldn't avoid her. WAP was the song that everybody's still talking about. I who, what song is people talking about from Lil Wayne? Mm, his feature, maybe? <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much it. He dropped the mixtape, but that was still so so recent that it's hard to really count that as the entire year. And it was it was okay. Yeah, he's got Russ on here, right? And even though Russ's little EP was you know, it was good, but man, no, I mean it's uh, it's a Russ's R and B though. Like he dropped a hip hop EP. Which, again, dope. Produced really dope features. He went out there and got real spitters, and he held his own. But he's not a rapper. No. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That, he missed hard on this. And this is just my opinion. But there's no way, especially in the year of Me Too, in the year of inclusion, that we leave women off of a top ten list. When I feel like women had a very strong year in hip-hop. No, I agree. Um, I mean, again, Megan Thee Stallion, WAP was arguably the biggest song of the year. Yeah. Um, the video definitely made crazy waves as a visual, and one of the three criteria is performance. Yeah. So well, that performance, yeah. it's not like people have live performances in 2020, so I'm assuming you're talking visual performances, which WAP was crazy, redone. Um, there was parodies of it. It was everywhere. Then she has the song, which is horrible, but... It's a hit. The body yaddy yaddy stupid song <laughs> yeah. that people do the dances to. Like, that shit's everywhere. The album wasn't bad. No, it wasn't. By any stretch of the imagination. She gave her fans what they were looking for. I mean, her year was maybe, and a lot of it's due to the Rona and not traveling and, you know, not having performances at, at really big, uh, you know, shows like VMA Awards, all that shit. But her year's probably right behind Cardi's 2018. Yeah, it was a huge year. So it's like with the rest of B-Dot's list, like he, number one, two, and three, he has Freddie Gibbs, Conway the Machine, and Benny the Butcher in that order. Not mad at that. Not mad at that. I, maybe Benny above, I mean, I would probably put Freddie, Benny, and Royce in any order you'd like. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, that I can say, okay, cool. But then after that, it's Russ at four, which I think is egregious. Um, Big Sean at five. I'm not yeah. the biggest Big Sean fan. He did Detroit was dope, but yeah, he dropped man, it's it like, disappeared over, though. 
mm, Meg he should be gone. here. I, I just yeah. don't get it. And and again, in my opinion, because Stove God Cooks is on here, Stove God had a tremendous album. But if Stove God is here, Royce has to be here. And that's crazy. And if you have Stove God, Stove God and you don't have Boldy James and Alchemist of The Price of Tea in China, which was incredible, that's kind of crazy. But it speaks to the amount of music that's out there. And it makes it kind of ridiculous for a lot of people. You can have your favorites. But to call anything the best of 2020 without possibly being able to listen to everything makes these lists entirely difficult and almost pointless. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of people consider Lil Baby having the best album of the year. That's cool. If you I want listened, to. Like, he's not here today, God, tomorrow, for me, I understand his fan base may think something different. Yeah. Um, Lil Uzi Vert was considered to have one of the best albums of the year. It dropped early. But he's not on the list. No, I mean, Either. look. I mean, Drake and Wayne didn't put out enough for me this year. No, Drake put out. on the list. Nas is almost cool. Maybe lower in the list I could put Nas. But he dropped the album and disappeared. A lot of people disappeared. See, I, I don't necessarily mind people disappearing. I don't, I don't need your presence in my face 365 days a year. I, you can disappear. I'm totally fine with that. Ooh, not after the album. Like, you don't even put out a, a follow-up single. Who? What was Nas' second single to that album? Nas put out like three videos to that album, bro. He put that shit out in two weeks then because I haven't seen anything but, since. But that's my point. The way you consume music in 2020, like unless you're actively searching for it, it's hard to find. It's tough. It, it's not, it, you're not able. So I, I don't have a problem with an artist disappearing because Nas had one of the better albums this year. Um, Like to not have Jay Electronic on this list might be offensive to a lot of people. Cause yeah, Jay- that shit was a Jay-Z album. No, nah, we're talking about the other one. He has two. Two projects this year. Oh, the joint that leaked. Yes, but it's it, okay. it's on title. But I'm saying yeah. that he was there. It counts. So, like, Run the Jewels. Like, Killer Mike's not on this list. Again, we mentioned Royce. Like, it is really hard to make these lists when there's so much music that is dropped every Friday. Every Friday, there's no less than, like, five or six albums and a ton of songs and then mixtapes. It's absurd. Yeah, it's hard for me to catch up to last Friday. Like, I've, I'm still trying to catch up to last Friday. Someone who's not on list, Jack Harlow. Biggest song of the year. Like, song? Not even visual. Music-wise? Song. He had a good album, too. What's popping? Biggest song of the year. No fuck videos, all that other stuff aside. Biggest song of the year. And then followed it up with uh, Tyler Hero's song, Dope. And yeah, his album's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he's got a good... Again, that's why these lists are kind of silly. So it's like... When I saw the list, my only, my biggest concern was not seeing a woman on the list. Everything else is like, all right, it's cool, it's your opinion. There was a lot of rap to listen to this year, so I can understand it. But not having a single woman on this list, yeah, can't do that. Yeah, a lot of rap to listen to. You know who didn't drop a lot of rap? Drake or Lil Wayne. Yeah, and Drake actually was the the Dark Demo Tapes. That was this year, wasn't it? Ooh, yeah, I think so. It's crazy. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you have to, if, if things are in front of mind, like on your playlist or something that you listen to a lot, it's easy to forget what came out in, like, March. Yeah, because he had the song at the fucking Nike complex. Yeah, I mean, dude, Spillage Village dropped this year. And, and I love that album, but people have already forgotten about it. Yeah, dropping early hurts. I mean, there's a late push. Like, the Toby album dropped this past week. Kid Cudi dropped this past week. Like, hey, you know who else dropped? And I can, I, like, a, we can freely talk about this. Everybody called that Busta Rhymes album a classic, and nobody's talking about it in December. 
No, and that shit dropped last month. That's it's crazy. But this is the microwave journalism. This is the instant gratification. This is the hype. I'm not saying Busted made a bad album. I'm saying this wasn't an instant classic. That's absurd to me. And now it's in December, and I look at all these lists. We're not talking about Busted's album anymore. Yeah, that's crazy. Dark Lane demo tapes did drop this year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I just really hated Tootsie Slide. <laughs> but yeah, that was this year. That that song, arguably, if we had the list of the worst songs of the year, Tootsie Slide and Body Yadi Yadi is like the two leading candidates. I haven't listened to enough bad music to justify that. Oh, when you hear it, you hear it. I, I know there's gotta, bad songs, but I can guarantee you there are worse. You know what song's not bad? Dude, you posted on your Twitter. Oh. <laughs> yes, man. Uh, God damn it. What is, it? What is his uh, alias? Jesus. His alias is... Uh, he's, his name is Akeem Ali, but the song is called um, Kimi Casanova. That's and it's, <laughs> it's basically, in my mind, if Sugar Free and Camp Low had like an illegitimate child who decided to rap in 2020, this would be it. <laughs> This song is incredible. With the shirt open in the video. Yo, I knew it, I knew the song was going to be a problem because when I clicked it, I was like, hmm, what is this? I knew it was going to be a problem when my man had the switchblade. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is some straight up 70s shit right here. It's some straight up pimp 70s shit. He actually enunciated and used charcuterie in a rhyme. <laughs> I was so impressed. Talked about, you know, if I break a fingernail, that's going to be your ass. Like, there's so much... Oh, that's pimp. some real pimp shit. Yeah, it was like, it was, it was high level pimp shit. Now. One of my favorite, like I and it's a, this is like an immediacy thing. Like I'm hearing this and I'm like, this is one of my favorite songs of the year. Just, <laughs> just came out instant. <laughs> it's great. You don't get a lot of pimp shit like that anymore. Show no, man. We and, we talked last week about you know the Bay Area and the verses coming up. Sugar Free does not get the flowers he deserves. No, because like it was offensive to a lot of people. Rightfully so. Like, right. she, it, it should be. But yeah, it but it was fucking hilarious. Like, he was such a good pimp that it was oh, hilarious. Incredible pimp. Mm. In the, There's a lot of pimping in hip-hop. Yes. Many people have done it and rapped about it. Few have done it to the level of Sugar Free. Indeed. I'd rather give you my bitches an all-time classic song. Yeah. Um... You got, I got off track with this fucking D dot, <laughs> this B dot list. Now that I'm talking about sugar free, um, okay. So we talked about where he messed up and everything, but the bigger scope of this is, this is a journalist, a hip hop journalist, someone well respected in the industry. If he puts this on a website in an article, does it do the numbers that it did with him writing this in notes and going straight to social media? No. Because, I mean, obviously, if you do it for a publication, that's reflective of the publication. So that means there's got to be more than one voice involved in these lists. So I, his, this list wouldn't come out just under his name. Like, it would be, if it's like a Hip Hop DX or if it's a hot new hip hop or whoever it is, it'd be reflective of the site. Yeah, sure. So if he puts it out on his Twitter, yeah, it's going to get more traction. Because BDOT is, um, he's not just a journalist, he's also a personality. So... This is going to do well for him. But yeah, there's no, like, it wouldn't happen if I was running a website and some dude just, any writer, I don't care who they are, is like, yo, here's my top 10. And I'm like, yeah, we're just going to run this as is. That's just not how shit works. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. But in the 
grand scheme of things then is this a bigger indictment on hip-hop journalism as a whole because uh shout out to justin ivy i think he dropped this in our group chat but someone's like the future of hip-hop journalism is tiktok it's it's already been that it's been that for like the last like three th- i mean it's kind of the reason why i've stepped away from it because it is instant gratification it is an, like it's not just journalism it's just the state of music and how quickly we get things and dispose them it's a disposable art and it shouldn't have been and it, so I think it's more so that than the state of journalism. And I mean, state of journalism was bad when, you know, writers and bloggers started becoming groupies. So this isn't. Shout out to academics. Yeah. Like, man, <laughs> listen, academics had a, a uh, clubhouse chat thing, whatever. Look, I signed up for clubhouse. I've been in like the Jay-Z room and I was like, I can't do this. It's just, I like my silence. There's too many fucking people talking. But academics had a clubhouse room, and everybody was in there. And then you wonder why he acts the way he does. Because y'all pay him so much attention. I don't. I don't follow him on Twitter. That clubhouse thing, I got a notification. I was like, nope, no thanks. You empower people by visibility. It has nothing to do with how good their or bad their opinions are. Is that If they get your attention, that's money. And that's what academics does he gets your attention he won't get mine mine is worth a little bit more but people like car wrecks and academics is a living car wreck with a shitty he, opinion of hip-hop he just challenged rosenberg to a boxing match i mean I dude in clubhouse and rosenberg and addressed him right like i met peter recently i've known like we've known each other through other people for years and rosenberg's been here for a long time say what you want about him but he's done this for a very long time oh yeah once you stoop to the level of academics, he wins. He wins. You can't win. He's a troll. Like, you're not. Like, you He's work for one of the biggest radio stations in the world. He's a troll. He doesn't deserve your attention. The only attention he deserves is like a swift punch in the mouth. Other than that, that like a mere mention here or there, but he like dedicated a whole Instagram post to him. Unnecessary. Like, you need to. It's not even academics. And I say this all the time. It's not academics. It's the people that support academics that are the problem. Is this where... I mean, it's so weird because Twitter... And I don't want to be hypocritical, right? Like, Twitter in 2009, 2010, 2011 turned blog hip-hop writers and... People who are legit form like fuck just being on blogs, but you know, like people who are A and R's, all this stuff, it turned them into personalities. Right? Like Twitter took them from behind the scenes and made them personalities and people followed them and they got opportunities and television and blah blah blah. And some have lasted, some have not. But a lot of those opportunities came from Twitter. Is do you see this TikTok clubhouse as that new wave for the next generation? No, I don't think Clubhouse is going to be here very long. Um, it's already yeah, been manipulated. I don't understand the format. It's already been manipulated and dominated by black people, which is great in itself. But um, there's a lifespan on it, right? Like Twitter's managed to stay here because it's a means of communication, and they've evolved in certain ways that have allowed it to stay here for what? We're going to year eleven of Twitter, I think. Yep. Um, Ooh, TikTok. 12? It was like what? What was before TikTok? This, there's always something that was similar to it. Oh, Vine? Vine was before TikTok? Yeah, Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat too. Snapchat's still around. Yeah, but the, it's not really as strong as it once was. It was super hot for a minute, but then they all disappear. Um, but I will say this. like, I know 
a lot of people come down on like the social media era, but if it wasn't for the social media era, a lot of the things that we, a lot of opportunities for people who deserve them wouldn't even exist. So it's a double-edged sword. Some things are whack, and that's just the way it is. Some people know how to use the system and get over. But other people would not have that opportunity. Like a dope writer who's living in like the middle of bumfuck Idaho may not have been, had that opportunity because New York dominated the scene for so many years in like the late 90s and early 2000s. Mm. Social media kind of opened the doors for people outside of New York and L.A. to have an opportunity. Like the internet, honestly, if it wasn't for the internet, I would have had to move to New York to run Hip Hop DX. But I didn't because of the internet. So it's like you have to look at it as it's an instrument, it's a tool for getting people opportunities that they wouldn't have had before. Like we're recording a podcast, we're able to do it remotely because of the internet. But once upon a time, the internet was ruining journalism. So you just got to kind of roll with the punches. You're always going to get the bad. It's just like hip hop. You're always going to have whack rappers. You're going to have the Bloods and the Crips and Two Live Crew and you're going to have trash. It's going to exist. But at the same time, like you look at the blog era and people talk about all the music that came out, but you wouldn't have had like the Kendrick Lamars and the Wale's and all those people if you didn't have the blog era. You had to have those tastemakers. So some people, it's just an abuse of power, ultimately, is what it is. No, that's a good way to put it. You know, it's not. I was looking at it as like, do you blame the platforms? Or, no, you know, it's the just people. the lack thereof, you know, people going to print journalism at all anymore. People yeah. just don't read. Less and less people read. By the day, I swear. Uh, dude, I don't think people read back in the day really either. It was just, it was like, okay. I shit all the time. I mean, but, but I'm a different breed. But I read newspapers growing up. It's kind of similar to Kevin Ioli saying that, um, talking about the, the Logan Paul, uh, Floyd Mayweather thing, right? Yeah. And calling it really bad and talking about how big boxing used to be. Boxing only had fucking, there was only five channels. So yes, 83 million going to watch it because there's only five opportunities to change the channel. Now there's a million channels, a million streaming services. Everything's trying to get of our, our attention. So it's different. You have to change with the times. You can't sit there and say, ah, I wanted to. Like, I would like magazines to still exist, but they don't. So I learned how to use the internet. And I learned how to use social media. Like, you have to change with the times. And a lot of people refuse to do that. And that's why motherfuckers become dinosaurs. And just get phased the fuck out. You have to learn. See, now I got to download, download a Clubhouse. No, you like don't. I'm, I'm no, you don't. The times. No, you don't. We need a reverse Rat Pack clubhouse for the wrestling pay-per-views, right? And we just go in there and talk. Do people just <laughs> randomly come in and listen? How does yeah, it, it's kind of like that. Like, the Jay-Z room was actually incredible. Um, just Blaze, uh, Freeway, God damn, DJ Drama. They were all in there just telling stories about Jay-Z. And it's kind of like a panel with audio where there's an audience and then there's the, the speakers. And those are cool, but then you have rooms like the Mona Room, which I've heard about, which just people just faking orgasms. Like, who the fuck wants to listen to that? But that apparently no some people sense. do. <laughs> but some people want that. So Someone said Tiana Trump was on it the other day, and I was like, what? Wouldn't be surprised. What use do you want out of Tiana Trump that's non-visual? Dude, everything is about access, dude. Like, Twitter is about shortening the degrees of separation between you and your favorite celebrity, artist, entertainer, whatever. Right? Before, there was no way outside of seeing something, a big interview on like 60 Minutes or MTV to be able to speak or at somebody. Now, if somebody follows you on Twitter, I've met people like, I know John Cena because he follows me on Twitter. No, the fuck you don't. <laughs> but that's, Doesn't he follow you? Yeah, he does, but I don't know him. I don't know John Cena. There's a, I, have, I have followers, but I don't know any of them. Like Just because I've at somebody on Twitter, they don't know me. 
But this is the new era that we live in. It's access. It's people wanting to feel like they know somebody. It's different now. So Clubhouse is access. Clubhouse is like, man, I listened, I was in that Jay-Z room, and now you feel privileged because you listen to Just Blaze talk. And before, it was a lot more difficult to hear Just Blaze and DJ Drama talk about old Jay-Z songs and what Mike Will made and all these other guys. It's different now. It's different. You can at Dame Dash, and he might respond to you. Before, there was no way to get to Dame. Interesting. We got to check out this clubhouse. I still say reverse rat pack clubhouse would be fun. Because we just invite wrestlers and shit in to watch. They're watching the show. We sure. can just talk shit. Yeah. That might be the way to go. Talking about wrestling, that's what we're here for. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we got to talk impact and AEW on the other side of this. You guys stay right there. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, just that quick, we are back, and it's time to talk pro wrestling. We're going to open it up with Impact. I know, I feel like we, we haven't done this in forever. We haven't talked Impact, but... This is the power of Kenny Omega, AEW, and him taking the belt to Impact Wrestling. I'm still not sold that it's a thing that'll work in the long term. But in the short term, it seemed to have boosted the views for both shows. So that's always a plus. Kenny Omega seems like a big-time draw, which, you know, you have a name. You're the best bout machine. We know his stuff from Japan. But that doesn't even mean all the hardcore AEW fans know his stuff from Japan. She is. So, yes, they do. I, How do they not? I don't know. Some people. I mean, not everyone gets a New Japan World. Like <laughs> no, but you don't have to. But but if you watch AEW and you became a hardcore AEW fan, it's because of the being the elite and Ken, Kenny Omega. Yeah, but you could have followed the Bucks through ROH. You could have there. There's other avenues, and you could have heard of Omega and you know watched a few matches on YouTube. There you go. But that's not, like, knowing his New Japan career, you know? Like, I mean, you, you, that, you don't know, like, 
original sweeper, Kenny Omega. I'm just saying, like, they know his work. They know his best work because you it was inescapable. If you're a pro wrestling fan, you know who the hell Kenny Omega is, and you know those Okada matches. Oh, yeah, Okada matches. I feel like you looked up, at least glancing at. But that still doesn't equal huge homegrown star. It could have been you waited too long to capitalize on the momentum, you know? I don't think so. I think I, I don't think so. I think this is proving they haven't, right? Like, as soon as you put the belt on him, the guy is who he is. I see a couple of gripes online with, um, and we can talk about it now, going over to Impact and kind of reforming the Bullet Club over there. And people are saying you're going back to something that was five years ago. Like you're you're Man. relying on a crutch that shouldn't be a crutch. How is that a crutch? I don't I don't even understand this. Do these people say the same thing with DX it. forms? Exactly. D, again, DX will form again tomorrow, and I'll be like, all right, I kind of like it. Like the shtick isn't played out to me. It's not like, even like it's not like even it's like the bullet. It's not even like the bullet club's going to be on every week. They're doing this for one match at Impact. The Motor City Machine Guns and Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega, um, Gallows and Anderson, right? And the Good Brothers. They're reforming it in theory. It's like, I don't understand why people get upset about this. It's just like you really want to find something to dislike. Yes, five years ago, but they were also one of the hottest factions in pro wrestling, period. And if they reunite, are you going to act like the Bullet Club didn't exist? Exactly. Like, I didn't mind. I know a lot of people didn't like it. And this is kind of when I tuned out of WWF. Um... But when NWO reformed after, you know, WCW was taken over and stuff, I didn't mind that horribly. No. Right? Like, that's who they were at that point. Even if it was in WWE at that point. But the problem was is they botched it. The WWE blew it. It wasn't like the end of, like people weren't into it. It was what they realized is that so much time had passed. Kevin Nash was on, you know, a pair of blown out knees. Scott Hall was not the same guy he once was. And obviously Hogan had the rock match. But... There wasn't that level of intimidation that the NWO had. They would yeah. just became part of the ecosystem of WWE. Whereas and WWE were never going to push them above WWE made talent. Exactly. And we saw that even at WrestleMania when they came out with Sting. And who won? Triple H still won. Like, yep. that's just what it is. But I think the Bullet Club is just a completely different entity because AEW and TNA or Impact don't necessarily have they're not trying to prove like we're better than them so we're going to squash the things that they created that's not what they're doing they're actually building a, a bridge between two audiences and impact probably is getting more of a rub than AEW. but at the same time to see kenny omega be called the best bout machine he gets to prove it by wrestling other promotions like he just did triple mania like when you get to see him do all these things he's go okay i remember who this guy is now because for the past year, everybody was like, where's Kenny Omega? And we're upset. And I kept saying on the podcast, just be patient. It's going to happen. And here we are. And he's a fucking heel, which makes it even better. No, I agree. I mean, this is good for Kenny Omega now. In the long run, we'll see who it benefits. We'll see if, you know, they're spreading him too thin. Uh, see, I don't I don't see how that could be a problem. Like, to me, it's a problem if too much of his storyline is based in Impact. Yeah, I to mean, the point where I have to watch Impact every week to know what the fuck's going on with an AEW champion. I don't see I don't that have happening. to watch AAA to know what the hell Kenny Omega's doing. I know he's champion, and I can tune in to the big pay-per-views to see really good dream matches. Yeah, you, I have to be concerned with something that they, they show me something to be concerned with before I get concerned about it. Yeah. There's like, and they haven't done that. I'm no. not saying that they've done that. But I'm just saying 
that is something that could be concerning. I don't think they're going that way, though. Yeah, I can't even like, can't even address that. Like, with the WWE, the reason why we rail so hard on the WWE is because they've shown us the same thing. They've shown us that they ruin things. So when we see a ricochet come up, we go, ah, this probably isn't going to work. He'll have a month run, and it'll be over. And that's usually what happens. The track record is there. We This is kind of new territory for Impact and AEW. So we'll play it as it goes, but I honestly don't think they're going to just abuse it and have Kenny Omega like wrestle on Impact and appearing every week. I think they're just working to this hard-to-kill pay-per-view. And then after that, maybe they do a Swan versus Omega match, but maybe not because you don't want to hurt Swan in the process. Yeah, they might just switch over to different talent. Yeah, it's po- there's, no, there's like, opportunities there, but yep. people that are upset about this now, it's like, chill out, man. It's just like, you just yeah. don't like people to like things. Relax. Exactly. Like, a little bit at a time. Like, Omega can do this one, and then maybe Moxley comes back and he does his Sammy Callahan program. Yeah. Where that's your mix over. And then after that's done, you have the Young Bucks go over for a mixed program, but not too much talent at one time. And I think that's what we saw between ROH and New Japan. Yeah. Where the Bucks never got played out being in both. No, they knew they like they had that partnership was a like you have to remember AEW initially because they couldn't strike a deal there was going to be a partnership with AEW and New J- Japan, but they couldn't figure out the particulars and it was mainly on New Japan because New Japan said that they're very guarded with their booking and they can't allow another promotion to book something differently and affect how they book their shows. That was the only issue between AEW and New Japan with their talent share. Like, ROH was like, whatever you guys do, we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. AEW was like, we're weekly television. We can't necessarily do that. And that's why that deal didn't work out. But when ROH and New Japan worked, it worked. It was just good stuff. We have people who are in the midst of that. So maybe they know how to pull it off between them and Impact. Um, Again, though, you have to make sure your people stay strong. And that takes us to this episode of AEW Dynamite. And the first thing I want to talk about is the major women's angle. It's Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. I like the way it's going. Thunder Rosa is probably the best in-ring person they have. And they don't have her. But she's constantly there, so I'm counting it, right? She's amazing in-ring. I think Britt Baker's, this is the person to really show off the growth of Britt Baker this past year. We've seen the growth. Like, on the mic, crushing it when she was injured. Came back, looked pretty good in a couple matches. It's just, there's no one there to really let her open up and see how good she is. Enter Thunder Rosa. The problem is, is that, again, you're making a different company's title look way better than yours. Uh, AEW's problem is they don't know how to book their own title. So, give it to Britt. At this point... Shotgun it. I don't care. You find a way to get her to that title match ASAP. And then you put the belt on her and at least have her and Thunder Rosa be champ versus champ. Yeah, it's... it's. I don't... AEW's women division just continues to be a problem. Like, Sheeta comes back next week. But she's been scared of Abaddon. And it's just been really weird. They just haven't done really good storytelling with women. That's This is the reason why they need a talent share. Because they don't have enough to make it interesting. Like, yeah, but when you share, you can't have the other talent just shit on your talent, right? Like, no. Sooner or later, you have to make your talent look strong as well. 
Yeah, it's, it, there has to be an exchange. There's never like you can't just put everybody over from AEW over the people from NWA or or Impact or whoever. There's got to be an exchange. Um, egos come into play, and that's just kind of the way it is. Like Vince would never let any of those anybody pin his champion. It's just the way it's going to be. I don't know if AEW is going to be okay. I mean, maybe they will. But having Britt Baker lose to Thunder Rosa, maybe Thunder Rosa ends up with AEW. I don't know. But that women's division just has a huge glaring problem, and they need like NWA to help them out. No, that's fair. I mean, I like the way that feud is being built, though. Yeah. I, I think this backstage promo was really good this week. I liked everything about it, except it doesn't boost the title for AEW in any way. No, I mean, Sheeta's got it, so doesn't yeah. matter. The winner of this better be her something. The winner of this is the best women's talent in the company. Sure. And it might amount to nothing in terms of standing in that company, right? Like wins and losses matter, but your best two people in the company right now, women, will not be any closer to getting a title. Yeah, they got, they really have some stuff to figure out with their women's yeah. division. That's their biggest, that's their the biggest weakness by far is their women's division. No, agreed. So that's a little weird there. Um, MJF had a cool segment this week, but that's every week. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't stop having cool segments. Um, no. Look good in ring. Yeah, the the uh, the how many people were in that goddamn match? Twelve. Yeah, I was about to say like six on each side. Yeah, right? and it ended up being you know it was a fine it was fine. Top flight looked great. Um, and MJF you know getting the pin. It's like you know this breakup is gonna happen, but when? And MJF is just smarmy enough to continue to be like a douchebag. But, like, still stroke their egos in some ways. Like, that whole segment with uh, the interview segment when he was like, I you know, wish you guys would stop telling me I'm better than Chris Jericho. <laughs> this thought was so on par with MJF. Because nobody's saying that. MJF is saying it. So, I, I, where they're going, I'm still interested in. They haven't tired me out on this yet. My only issue continues to be LAX. Yeah, free LAX. <laughs> They're just bonds in this. And they had some good spots in this match. They look great. They, I mean, they continue to look great. But, again, I feel like their time is coming. And it'll be sooner than later that we'll see. Well, yeah, sometime in 2021, LAX will finally get the the, the reins pulled off of them and they'll take off and do what they got to do. But they got to separate from Inner Circle. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's coming slowly but surely. Um, Miro, I still don't get. Um... I feel like we're working towards Miro about to break out. I feel I like feel like he's growing his heel beard and nicely though, so that gives me some hope. I, I really enjoyed the promo this week. His whole okay. bah humbug, it's my birthday shit. Yeah. His gear, like he tries to dress fresh and it's fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> when he separates from Kip Sabian, I think this is another thing because they have one show, they got a lot of talent. Yeah. When he separates from Kip Sabian, he'll probably finally get his run. I don't know who his run will be against, but he's going to get his run. And I think this is the only way to keep him on television with something to do, even though it's a shitty thing to do. I think the whole ship, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford thing is dumb to begin with. But as long as he's there, he's he, we think about him. And when he cuts those silly promos, we think about him. Very curious how they handle him next week uh, with the whole wedding thing and how that, because then he'll no longer be the best man. They're, they're, they're putting an end to this. Yeah, the blow-off is coming soon. Yeah, so I'm interested to see where he's going, but it's like it's clear that Miro's going to be 
I think he's going to get his hands on that title soon. Nah, I don't want to say soon. In the next year, he'll have one of the TNT or the AEW championship. Ooh. Yeah, I'd say hopefully it's the TNT. I think it'll be TNT. Yeah, no need to go too crazy. Like, he could be a dominant guy for that title for a second. Yeah. And then build it up. I mean, you look at potential matchups with, like, Lance Archer. Like, you look at him and Pac could actually be a fantastic match. There's, yeah. There, him and Moxley. Him and Moxley, they had great chemistry in WWE. Exactly. There are so many things you could do with Miro. It's just they needed to get him on TV, and they found a stupid way to do it. But he's here, and he's really good. And there's nothing you can do to stop how good he is except saddle him with a stupid gimmick. But they're about to get that best man shit off of him. So I think in the next 2021 is going to be a strong year for Miro as long as he stays healthy and not, doesn't get hurt. I think I saw a wild stat the other day that said the only non-WWE champion so far has been Darby Allen. Hmm. In terms of like those major two titles. And I was like, that can't be right, can it? Let's see. Non-tag titles. Well, yeah, I was about to say tag titles are a totally different SCU story. SCU held it. Yeah. So, but, well, let's see. You're talking about the title holders? Because there was only, what, Jericho, Moxley, and now it's Kenny Omega. Omega. Okay. So, yeah, there just wasn't a lot. And then Cody. Yeah. And Darby. So, Kenny Omega's not in WWE. No, but I guess Kenny is the latest. Maybe he didn't win it by that time I saw this. Thing. Yeah, and then TNT was just Cody. And that's it. And Darby. And Brody Lee for a hot second. Oh, yeah, Brody Lee, which also WWE talent. But it makes sense. But it's, it's also weird when you mention guys like Brody Lee, who wasn't really utilized the way he should have been in WWE, and is really like an ROH okay, guy. by the way. Yeah, nobody's. I, I don't know what's going on some, with Brody. He's just. Some weird uh, internet stuff. Like, I don't know, Tony Khan's answer to, like, hey, is Brody Lee all right? Seemed a little odd in the presser, like, a week ago or so. Yeah, whatever it is, I hope he's okay. I, don't, I hope it's not yeah, the Rona. Best wishes to him, yes. Yeah, but other than that, when people say that about, like, the talent, when, when you only had, like, five or six title holders, and then you have Kenny Omega and Darby Allen, that's already a third of them are eliminated. Yeah, don't use that stat. They're mostly WWE yeah, it was, guys. It was a weird stat. And I was like, I. I don't feel like that, which is odd. But it's you know it's only a year, and I like the non hot potato of the titles, which is fine. I don't, look, man, there are some people who are diehard WWE people that will hate anything that's not WWE. There are also people who are diehard AEW people who hate every anything WWE. Look, man, I'm just in the middle. I just know WWE does dumb shit. AEW, they're still relatively new, so they can still fuck up. And we'll call them. We'll call them out when they do. Other than that, get mad about shit like this and like posting like stupid stats on Twitter. Just fucking enjoy things and cut it out. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No, there's plenty of stuff to enjoy. Um, next one, Big Swole, Serena Deeb, move on in the tournament. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about this women's tag team title tournament. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, again, one show you're trying to get more women on television. That was a critique, right? That people had a month ago and fans were in uproar like you know feature the women's division or and i get it you know there was like a time when there was one women's match every three weeks or something so they listened and they said how do we put more women on tv they're like oh tag team tournament i just don't know if it's really hitting like that well see here's what tony khan and AEW need to realize you don't need to listen to everybody because they're never going to be happy so people people say there's not enough women on tv they're probably like WWE super fans and hate AEW. So once they do it, then they're going to go, ah, but nobody cares about it. 
Yep. You can't satisfy everybody. And when you try to, you end up in a situation where you're focusing on women's tag division when you really need to focus on just your women's division. You can't listen to everybody because like, what they're realizing is diversity and inclusion is a lot more difficult in play than it is in practice. They're having a hard time balancing all these things. And it's fair. But just chill out, man. You don't got to listen to everybody. Fuck them. At all. Um, I like Big Swell with the Cloverleaf. Yes. I dislike Red Velvet's chair shot on Nyla. That is also true. Red Velvet, I'm very curious about as, you know, what is she going to be? Like, Swole, we've seen her work. Um, and the Cloverleaf as a power move is is much better. Like, Dirty Ooh, Dancing School. She put school. that knee in at the end? Yes. Ooh, it was dirty. It, it's, it's very reminiscent of, um, I'm trying to think. Like, now I want to say Jericho when he steps over with the Lion Tamer. Um... I'm trying to think that somebody has a move where it just gets accelerated when they do something else and that's what swole did when, when she bent it back i was like that's a good visual and she's strong and it works yeah. that dirty dancing shit just doesn't always hit right and the people don't actually take the bump the right way but this this one works for her no i agree it's better than even than when charlotte extends into the figure eight i never understood what the figure eight did like going up on your hands i was like i guess it increases pressure yeah it never looked too like superimposing to me this looks like vicious at the end so um i like that yeah the chair shot leaves a lot to be um <laughs> a lot to be worked on then we have the acclaimed i like the acclaimed in previous weeks right and i was like oh these kids might have something yeah i'm not sure their freestyle this week was very corny yeah i think it's meant to be that way okay. um it's hit or miss though you can't you can't freestyle it and crush it every week. Not even Cena crushed it every week. No, even though Cena did crush it a lot. Um, a lot? <laughs> yeah, but not every week. The only thing about the acclaimed is I like the team, but I feel like they're getting this title opportunity really soon, which in a way could work for them because it can show that they can play just like Top Flight did with it, the Young Bucks. Yep. But on the other side of it is like, you guys are, there's a lot of teams being involved in this tag division. And trying, and not, I don't think enough people watch AEW Dark. So it's like they really need a second show, but then they don't need a second show because I feel like they need to focus on the first show. I, I don't know. I like the Acclaim, but I'm like, man, this better be a really good match. It really shows what the Acclaimed are made of. Otherwise, if the Young Bucks just bounce them out of there, then who cares? No, I agree on that one. Um, Eddie Kingston, pretty good promo. Always a good uh, promo. A lot of en- enemies. First one was God. Oh, the man's a fantastic. <laughs> he's an unbelievable promo. He's excellent. He's going to be a yeah. fantastic manager one day. If he could just keep the damn Tims and fit it on, I would be fine. Yeah. Wrestle in that. Something. God, that singlet is horrible. <laughs> Whatever the fuck the mint julep green was is like the worst shit I've ever seen. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't great. Um, so we have that. That's, ex- you know, keep going on. Somehow Lance Archer is a third wheel in this feud. Don't know where this goes, but it makes me think of, a, is we're going to Pac Archer match? Oh, okay. Maybe. I do. I mean, is that better than Pac Kingston? I don't know. I, I, I don't know where this all ends up. I'm intrigued, but it's like Lance Archer is, is weird because he just kind of turned babyface for no reason. And then it's like, where did Jake go? And then Jake comes down with all these scathing promos over the past few weeks. And now it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They just kind of <laughs> just did stuff. And that now all of a sudden he's aligned on the other side. They don't know what to do with Archer is what I, my feeling. No, I agree with that. I mean, he just kind of randomly showed up. Um, Hardy and private party. It's a weird thing. 
Hangman Page in the Dark Order is weird. Wait, Hangman Page in the Dark Order is actually fun because uh, be- really, I mean, because John Silver's excellent. John Silver's funny, right? But like Hangman Page going into this angle is taking like three steps back. This was just uh, what the hell is CM Punk's friend's name? Who? Cole Cabana. Cole Cabana. This was just his angle like three months ago. Well, no. it's, it's not a good angle for no for Page who was on the cusp. With this character. See, I think it's so different. Like, Cole Cabana's was, like, him forcing himself into the Dark Order and trying to find something to do on TV. Whereas Paige, like, we don't know if he's actually down with the Dark Order. It's like the Dark Order really trying to recruit him. I I thought that this match this week was actually kind of fun. Because, uh, again, I think John Silver's, like, a million bucks. He's amazing. I'm more concerned with, like, the Matt Hardy private party thing. Like, if everybody anybody remembers Wrestling with Stereotypes, private party talked about how much they love the Hardy Boys. So this is, like, a dream come true for them, in a way. To be working with Matt, I think it's a way to turn Matt heel. I think that's where we're going with this. I don't know if that's good though. Like I don't know if any of this is going to turn out good. Private Party's in a weird spot. Top Flight came in, uh, some other young tag teams came in, and now it feels like they're lost in the shuffle. Like I said, they got a lot of shit going on to try to pack into a two-hour show. Yeah, they're trying to keep them on TV with this, but it's still like I don't know. It has to go somewhere. Yeah. It just can't be buying time for the sake of buying time. And then we have Team Taz was there about, it looked like, you know, trying to get on Cody Rhodes, who actually had a good match. Let me start there. Cody Rhodes match, I liked it. Angelico, who I've never been a big Angelico guy, or the tag team, I see, I guess, what other people see. Like, He's a good uh, wrestler. Yeah. I, Justin Ivey sent me a bunch of shit of him jumping off of stuff in Lucha Underground. Oh, yeah. That's wildly impressive. So maybe singles, Angelico is cool. I still don't know his personality. No. I don't know his character. They haven't given me any depth. But I like this match. Cody biting the rope was funny. Yeah. I really like that spot. Um, Cody somehow no-selling the leg at the end, though, was weird. Uh, yeah, it was a rookie mistake. And he's a veteran. Yeah, like, uh, did you not just... Remember that you were hobbled like two seconds ago? Um, but anyway, Team Taz. Will Hobbs looks good. I, I don't know where they go with that, though. Yeah, I don't know where they're going either. And I like I don't even really want to speculate. Steen comes out at the end. Um, Darby's in the, the crowd. Like I don't know where this leads to. Yeah, Darby's stinging Sting, right? Like he's in the crowd looking ominously down at Sting, who points the bat. I don't know what the Sting and Cody thing is. I don't know either. I do know that Brandy's going to stop wrestling for a while. She is. There's a Baby Rhodes on the way. Thank goodness. Um, congratulations, but shit. Congrats to them. Yes, but I, I just don't need... I don't need any more Nightmare Collective. Yeah, I mean, that's... See, and that's what I was going to say. The whole Dustin thing with the Dark Order, is that's the one I'm like, oh, come on. They're already doing the shit with Paige. Now he's going to wrestle Evil Uno next week for what? Like, what are we doing? I, I do, whatever's going on with Brody Lee is the reason why these things are happening with the Dark Order. Because I guess they're hoping he comes back. But without him, they've created this fax and they're still trying to keep him relevant. So they're just going to be involved in angles. And through it, John Silver's emerged. So maybe he ends up being the leader of Dark Order. I don't know. Maybe. I, don't know. I mean, I don't know what you do until Brody comes back. I, I don't. They're just trying shit right now. Yeah, and somehow... Uno and Dos do nothing. Yeah, well... Like, didn't they start it? Like, why couldn't they just go back to being... 
it always felt weird for them. It was. It, you know, when they first came, it, it landed with a, the, the impact of a wet fart. The shit just didn't work. Like, it, it didn't work when they closed the lights and turned them on. We were all confused. And I was like, yo, that's Super Smash Bros. And then most people were like, who the fuck is that? And they had this, the weird guys all around them. The Dark Order has just been a thing that they continue to try. And it seemed like they were on a decent path with Brody. But now that he's not there anymore, I don't know where this ends up. But back to my original thing. Brandy and Cody are pregnant. And Brandy will not be wrestling. I don't know what this does for like Jay Cargill's character. I, that weird promo the other week with Shaq was strange. I, Isn't Shaq there on the sixth? Yeah, I, I don't know what commentary. The, I don't know what like they're Snoop doing was? with any of this. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I don't know. Snoop on commentary, Shaq on commentary. Yeah. Listen, they're making a push for the casuals. Cool, right? but like they're psh, hmm. they're trying. They almost cracked the mill. Yeah, I mean so. Raw pulled 1.5. They're not far. Which is crazy. Yeah, that's really down for Yo, Vince I mean, built NXT and put him on television to kill AEW. And all AEW is doing now is threatening Raw. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I think Raw is more killing itself than AEW is pillaging it, though. No, I mean, Raw is killing itself. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you, if Vince didn't try to counter-program so hard, this might not have happened the way that it's happening. Like, if you would have focused on the things that you had with NXT and let it build, like, it didn't need a competitor. It didn't, you gave it, basically, you gave AEW the the attention by creating the Wednesday Night Wars. You gave them extra attention. And I guarantee you, since the inception of AEW, that people were like, who the fuck is AEW? Well, I guess they're going up against NXT. I guess I'll watch AEW. And now they're converting WWE fans in the process. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, yeah, WWE's losing fans. Maybe those people are leaving and going somewhere. They, they ha- I mean, again, you, like you tried to kill something that was an upstart, and it's shining. They, they, they played this all wrong. They really did. But whatever. I don't know. They would have played it fine if they just kept their promise from two years ago, damn near to the day, where they said, you are the authority. We're going to do what the fans want. They did it for one WrestleMania season. I was like, all right, get the hell out of here. They, they, dude. Last year, we're putting the belt on Bill Goldberg. We're doing, like, what? They don't care. Goldberg's probably coming again this year, unless The Rock signs. Really? Because uh, I just saw a Big E Paul Heyman promo that says maybe Big E should be your guy in that spot. Dude, that Paul Heyman segment, ooh, that was good. Right? That was good. But all talk is Bill Goldberg coming back for Roman Reigns. They, look, what? For, for all that I've heard on the dirt sheets and you can't really trust these things no, I don't think they have really have a clue what they're doing at Wrestlemania yet so leaving all the options on the table I think I would say that option A is absolutely The Rock like by far but they have yes. to consider like if he doesn't do it is it is it Goldberg is it Big E is it somebody else is it Drew yeah it could be anybody cause, yeah. so I think they're just keeping all their options on the table alright hopefully fingers crossed and then uh, we see at the end of Dynamite Joey Janela versus Kenny. This match was cool. Yeah. It wasn't their first match. No. But it was cool. And in the end, um, Sonny Kiss with a nice little assist to Janela. And then next week it leads to us getting Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega for the title. You see, this is what they, they're turning him into the best bout machine again. Because there's no way that match is going to suck. Oh hell! No. They're gonna tear it down. So this is what they're doing. Like they have, they have finally said, "All right, it's time." 
And Kenny, heel Kenny Omega is about to be the best bout machine all over again with a heel, a hint of heel with Don Callis around. So we're about to get some amazing matches, and then we're going to get some bullshit as well to keep the title on them. <laughs> I'm all right with that. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, yeah, that's one hell of a way to close out the, you know, just the year for AEW. And again, you don't have to be great throughout. It's very hard to do that, you know, two hours worth on a weekly television show. Some matches are going to stink. Some angles aren't going to hit. If you're dynamite at the top, you're fine. Yeah. And when Kenny Omega is your top and you have an interesting angle with him, not only is he the best bout machine, which I think they're setting up, but him going back and forth is an interesting angle to hook people in because Kenny, no one knew what his personality would be when it translated. Him being a heel helps, not forcing him into a babyface role. You're having this back and forth. He's an asshole. You lean on some Bullet Club stuff. You're doing enough to give him enough character that his in-ring is going to take it to the next level. And uh, I don't know. That... This is the time where WWE is dropping main roster wise, where if you're gonna make a push, it's one hell of a push to make. Yeah, definitely, I agree. So not mad at that. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. We're gonna take our last break. When we come back, we're gonna touch on NXT really quick because we'll um, hit more of that later. Instead, we're gonna spend most of the second segment talking about WWE TLC pay per view, which I know you're looking forward to. So you stay right there. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back for the home stretch. We are talking WWE. We're going to start off with NXT. couple confusing things there, but some good things, just like AEW, right? It has its ups, it has its downs, but... All in all, a good show this past week. Finn Balor is back. And surprisingly, at the same time, Karrion Cross is back. But they're not feuding with each other immediately. Smart. Really? Yeah. It kind of threw me off. Because I was like, you didn't lose your title. This man has your title. Why are you messing around with Damian Priest? Because he's he's going to be involved with the title picture. They just need to reestablish Karrion Cross. And in the interim, because New Year's Evil is not a pay-per-view, and, no. you know, obviously, fast-forwarding a little bit, Kyle O'Reilly beats Pete Dunne, which I was kind of surprised about, actually. And, yeah, what hell of a match. Though. Yeah, and oh, we're going to rematch with O'Reilly and uh, Balor, which I figure by the time that's done in, what is that, three weeks from now, we'll be full sp- speed ahead for Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross. It's going to happen. Maybe it happens at Mania. Maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. but Yeah, I feel like it slows down. Yeah. Or, you know, they slow play it a bit. Yeah, it, I'm totally fine because I think they, they played Karrion Cross too fast. I said that before. 
They they elevated him too fast. Have him with a few feuds. Let him like him and Damian Priest should be great. It's a way to get him over. I just don't know what's different between this Balor match and the other O'Reilly match. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll get to see. Yeah, right. Like there has to be some weird shenanigan, or someone gets beat up at the end. Does Kyle O'Reilly somehow leave the Undisputed Era after this? I don't. I don't know. That's why there's intrigue because the match was so good the first time. They're gonna do it again, and uh, I I don't know. I don't mind this rematch. It's just like if they said Roman Reigns and, and Drew McIntyre were gonna have a rematch, I'd be like, cool. Some matches yeah. I'm, I'm totally fine with them doing it a second time. Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. All right. They did it a second time. We didn't know how it could be better than the first, but that shit was a banger. So, yep. we'll see. So, uh, we'll see. It's going to be one hell of a match. Kyle O'Reilly is on fire right now. Um, and then, yeah, carrying Cross. we have that angle going. It looks like um, Kushida is going to now challenge Johnny Gargano. Yeah. Which we were wondering where that push was building. To me, he didn't seem like a super baby face during the push, though. Not that he was a heel. I just, he was very vicious. That I told you, Dungaree Casita is what we needed. Babyface Casita don't work. Like, ultra, like, smile, and here's my Marty, McSor- Marty McFly vest and all that shit. That's cool, but this angry, mean Casita is the one that you need. So, Casita and Gargano, that should be the match to make. I don't know what they do with Leon Ruff. I've been curious about this the entire time. But I, I like Gargano's little faction with Austin Theory and Candice and uh, Indy Hartwell. I think this is a really fun little thing that they got going on there. But I'm all in on Kushida versus Gargano. I don't think those two can miss in a match. Yeah, no, me either. I think that that'll be one hell of a match. And again, Gargano's like three-time NXT uh, North American champion. It's not like he needs the belt. No. So with this little faction, there's odds to overcome for Kushida. I, I like where it goes. They're building a good story around that. Um, tag team titles are non-existent. So I don't I don't know when they fix their tag team division. Nope. And then the women's division, I, I don't know what's going on there either necessarily. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'll just let this be the next two weeks dictate. It looks like Rhea Ripley is being, I don't want to say she's being pushed out, but she's not involved in the title picture. Her and Tony Storm, though, have this secondary feud where it looks like Storm probably goes for the title after. Makes no sense because that should be Ember Moon's feud. But I'm just going to, I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait. This is just another week NXT. I don't think there's really any clarity uh, because we know we're going with Raquel Gonzalez versus Io Shirai. That seems pretty obvious. But I, I'll yeah. see what we do in the middle of it uh, as we get there. So we'll, sh- we'll see. And then we have uh, main roster time to talk about. No need to go through all of SmackDown and Raw. Because for what? I barely watch Raw. Uh, I watch it in the background. So let's go down the announced matches so far for the TLC pay-per-view. We have the New Day versus the Hurt Business. I hope they don't kick Cedric out. I hope they don't. It's so. This is such a weird thing. So premature. Cedric's finding his personality as a heel, and it's working. And him and the hurt business doing, but it, it like them teasing like he's gonna get kicked out is dumb because then what do you do with him? He's just catching fire with this. Let it work itself out. So I like this match. I the new day could lose the titles, and I'd be like, all right, because Cedric's doing some really good work. Yeah, I'm fine with it. So I, I actually hope Cedric wins. Yeah, it's like I don't know this. 
the, the just the kind of like alluding to like the hurt business not being happy with how Cedric is acting, I think is silly. It's too soon for that. And I like the idea of a Lashley versus um I almost called him Hardy. But uh the ultimate bro. <laughs> Matt Riddle? Oh Riddle, Matt I'm sorry. Riddle. There's no Thank Matt. You. I almost called him Matt Hardy. Yeah. Oh excuse me, just Riddle. No, Matt Riddle versus Bobby Lashley. I like that few. Hardy yeah. being in the middle of it, all right, whatever. Yeah. But I like the feud, and I think it could result in a good match. I agree. So I like where they're going with that one. Um, we have Sasha Banks versus Carmella. Ugh. This Carmella I thing. I know Carmella was revamped, but there's no way she just takes the belt off of Sasha. No. No way. No, but I, and I, I've said this before. It's Eva Marie all over again, and Eva Marie and Lana. And, but Carmella is actually a better wrestler than both of them. The problem is, is like this whole, and she's doing what, uh, here's what I'll say. Carmella's doing the best she can with the gimmick that she has, because it's a rehash of an older gimmick. And she's yeah. trying to make it work, so I can appreciate that aspect of it. But hot-shotting her into the title picture in a match that she's going to lose, I don't know what that really does for her. There's only one way to go, you say. Yeah. And that is down. Yes. Like, it's. Man, I don't know. She's not. Her character's not developed enough for it. No. It's not ready. Silly. I don't. I, she I don't didn't. Know. Yeah, she didn't hit the earth like Roman Reigns coming back. No, and it's just like you know they did the match on SmackDown with the she hits Sasha with the bottle and all. It's just like uh, I don't know. I'm like yeah. I wanted her to feud with somebody else first at least. Sasha ain't losing. No. I'm more interested in the Bailey feud. Oh, with Bianca. Bailey's hilarious yeah. with Bianca. That feud intrigues me more. And Bianca, man. It's it's going to be hard for them to keep Bianca from this title. Oh, Mania. Listen, Sasha deserves a clean Mania finish and win in like a moment. But it's going to be hard to have that this year with Bianca. They just kind of booked themselves into a weird corner again. Like they put Bianca on SmackDown and Sasha's the champ. And Sasha's never winning clean at Mania. And this will be the time to do it. But do you go Sasha versus Bianca? Which in, in blackness is fucking excellent. But it's like, well, how do you play this? Because my only issue is, if Bianca loses, all I can think about is she can't get over the, the hill. Yeah. Because she couldn't beat Shayna. Like, she just never could beat her. And then she can't beat Sasha. I don't know, but maybe they do keep her out of the title picture. I think it's just going to be really hard because you look at her and you're like, she's just too fucking good. But exactly, we shall see. And then we have Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Asuka and To Be Determined. Oh, God. Why, why are we doing this? I don't know. I mean, Oscar's the champ. Yeah. So why? Oscar and Shayna like should be feuding. Yes. And Nia should be feuding with uh, whoever the fuck she was feuding with. I don't know. Give her some. She should be feuding with her preventing other people from getting injured. That's who she should be, should be feuding <laughs> with. Yeah. So, no, we, I mean, I guess her and Lana, right? Sure. Um, is Lana really injured? I think they no. That's work, right? It has to be. I don't, see, I don't know about. I don't. I don't know when when Nia is putting you through tables every week. I I can't be sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand so it. Like uh, maybe Lana comes out and she's the to be determined. Don't care. I think. Listen again, dirt cheat, dirt cheats. Speculation is that this is the way you get Charlotte back. <laughs> no, and starts, thank you. And kickstarts a feud between Oscar and Charlotte, which will later be for the time. No, thank you. No, thank you. Listen, man, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I, I read it, and I was like, 
I wouldn't put him past. Him. I wouldn't put it past him either. But it just would seem really weird because didn't Oscar was she the one that put Charlotte out? Yeah, I guess somehow they come and get beef. Charlotte would be her partner. That's dumb. Cost Oscar the win. They beef. Yeah. Mm. Hard pass. Seems like some WWE shit. It does. And then we have The Fiend versus Randy Orton. I will say this. Fuck is a Firefly Inferno match. I will say this. Oh, he set him on fire. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I think they've actually handled this well. I've actually enjoyed this. Um, The Fiend, like... The way he like Randy Orton tries out smart him and then just gets done in every single time, I think is well done. These are the feuds that the fiend needs to keep him out of the title picture but keep him interesting. Yep. And uh Randy Orton, I mean, yeah, he should go over on Randy. Um But yeah, I've liked this. The Firefly Funhouse segments have been really good. Uh stuff with Alexa Bliss. Like this is the way the fiend should have always been handled. Slow play him to the title and have him beat people like Randy Orton. So, I think he has to win, obviously. I think you could damn near drag this out to Mania. No, thanks. It's too long. It's December. Um, Yeah, man. That's that's four months. It's not too that long. That is too long for them. They'll run out of tricks. No, because you do this, and then you actually have Orton. Fiend wins. Orton comes back. Orton uses Bliss to beat the Fiend, because obviously she's like, you know, the weak spot for the Fiend. And then it's like, okay, they're one and one. That's how you get them to one and one. Mm-mm. And then the fiend does some cinematic shit. No, me. I'm okay. In which Royal Rumble doesn't count because their feud would just be extended inside Royal Rumble. Yeah, no, thank you. That's too long. Uh, they can do it for another pay per view. They can actually have a match at the Royal Rumble to blow it off, but it has to be blown off by. They'll Royal. be in the Rumble though. They're not going to have a one on one, which means they'll blow it off the pay-per-view after which is the pay-per-view no right no mania. no this will end by royal rumble there is no reason this should go to, to mania you're being ridiculous you underestimate no I- you, you underestimate them. um and then we have roman reigns versus oh no excuse me drew mcintyre versus aj style this should be a really good match that's all i'm thinking this about. guy's name omos omos who the giant yeah big black dude that's his name with a turtleneck that's his name he's bringing turtlenecks back um it's a long-ass neck. <laughs> anyway, AJ Styles versus Drew Mac is going to be a great match because it's AJ Styles yes. and Drew McIntyre. And you throw in the stipulations, TLCs, yeah, it's going to be a damn good match. That, I mean, Drew is obviously going to win, but I think everything, this is the right match for Drew to have because he's never been in a TLC match, which AJ Styles pointed out. AJ Styles obviously has been in ladder matches, and I think this will be pretty physical. Um, I Just tell me when Sheamus is turning on Drew. Cause can we just get there now, please? Cause I don't know what this Seamus babyface stuff is so strange to me. The one thing I really don't like about this feud has nothing to do with Drew and AJ. It's the Miz's involvement. I hate it because yeah, like he better cash in at this pay per view if he's gonna cash in. Cause if not, when does he? Cash? That's that's the the question. But then it was like the collateral damage ended up being Keith Lee last week. Keith Lee lost to Morrison and Miz. Why? To keep Miz strong, to make it seem like he could be a threat to cash in that, that briefcase. Why? Yeah. It should be, my opinion, Keith Lee gets that damn briefcase off the Miz. And he's the one with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Well, now we're cooking. But <laughs> if you read all those reports, Vince wants Keith Lee to go to the Performance Center and refine his style. 
Yeah, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that he stops being on TV. and, and No, 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 no. no. Um, it doesn't. It, but what it does mean is that Vince sees something wrong. Yeah, and I, I think we can all assume what Vince sees wrong, right? He sees an athletic big guy who doesn't act enough like a big guy. Yeah, it's dumb. Um, That's what separates Keith. Keith can. It's just... I mean, Keith versus Walter, Keith... And um, PWG played the big man role very well. Like, against smaller guys, he does that very well. I just, Pounce looks great against smaller guys. It's just Vince kind of wants him to be a monster all the time. It's what Vince, what Vince does is he doesn't watch their work previously. Somebody else tells him, this guy's a really good wrestler. We should sign him. And then they sign him. And then they get him. And then Vince sits in Gorilla and looks. And he's like, I don't like it. But that's who he is. Vince is like, nope, got to change him. That's how you fuck wrestlers up. And that's what Vince McMahon does. Like, he, I, you know he didn't watch Keith Lee in PWG or Ring of Honor or Evolve. He never saw Keith Lee no. before. No, 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 no. He, he caught a glimpse of him in NXT. He's like, ah, I like this guy's body type. He has both of your titles? Give me him now. Got him and was like, ah, you know what? I don't like him showing his belly. <laughs> ah, yeah, no, we're going to give him 8 million outfits. No, I really don't like him doing the flippy shit either. Like, what? what's the point? Like, that's who Keith Lee is. He liked the body type and the look. I don't even think he liked big the body black type. Man. I just think he looked at him and was like, oh, it's a big black guy. What, what does he do? Yeah. And you know what? I, here's my personal take. I think that Vince looked to get, like, he was interested in Keith Lee. The minute that Brock Lesnar saw him at the Royal Rumble and was like, oh, shit, you're a big motherfucker. Like, that little segment when Keith was coming out. Not Survivor Series, even though everybody remembers Survivor Series last year and how good Keith looked against Roman Reigns. But I think when he saw him paired with Brock, Vince got a little boner and was like, "We, I need that guy. But then he just, if you don't understand his work and you're trying to change who he is, what made him is his work. I don't get it. But him losing to Miz and Morrison kind of pissed me off. I was like, this is dumb. Yeah, and I understand, like, you make him lose a two-on-one match, right? So you're thinking like, oh, it can't hurt him too much. It's two guys against one. He's collateral damage. I thought it was stupid. Yeah, he's been the pawn in too many feuds so far. Yeah, it's too much. I don't know. They have to fix it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And then, um, oh, who's winning? Oh, I guess he said Drew, of course. Is yes. Winning. Then Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. I think it's a one-off, blow-off feud, but KO's done what KO always does. And he crushed this feud. Boy. Build up is great. They got to stop doing Kevin like this, man. He's going to lose, but fuck, he was good in this build up. Yeah, every, but every time. When does Kevin like really fail us in, in a feud, right? Never. And then he just goes and meanders into no man's land. But like, you look at this. He's the perfect foil for Roman. And come on, man. This segment, Roman's just been a million bucks as his heel. But this part where Kevin Owens is in the ring calling him out, and Paul Heyman's like, you're the man. You call the shots. It makes Roman reconsider going to the ring to beat the shit out of Kevin Owens. I loved it. <laughs> I thought I think this is why Paul Heyman's there. To remind Roman, like, you don't act on emotion. You're the chief of the you're the head of the table. Like you have to remember who you are, and Paul Heyman's there to remind him. And people keep asking, why is Heyman with Roman? For this purpose. But there's no way Kevin Owens wins this match. But it's a TLC, so Kevin's going to do some wild shit. Oh, crazy. It's going to be match of the night. Should be. Yeah. Definitely should be. Easy. So, I mean, I can't wait to see what comes of it. And I think it's a, a good way 
to end the night is going to make Roman look really strong. And that's always the key, right? Like, they're mixing Roman's personality and this amazing character with really strong matches out the gate. Yeah. This is how they should have booked Roman for years. Yeah. People going to keep... There's no Baron Corbins in this. Match. Yeah, like, people going to keep arguing me. No, this is the right time to turn him heel. No, man. This is late. But for me, it's really, truly better late than ever. Because this has been amazing. I don't know how they... Like, again, we know WWE's track record. So you feel like at a certain point, they're going to fuck this up and turn it back babyface. Too soon. Oh, wait too soon. But if they don't, and they just kind of let this thing ride out. Like, if he wrestles Rocket Mania and goes over on Rock, which he should, if that's the plan. There's no reason to do anything other than No. But if Rock doesn't do it, and then, like, he has to go over on... Like, he goes over on just about everybody except for Big E. Like, I don't think anybody will be happy if Big E goes to Mania and loses. <laughs> I wouldn't be upset, but listen... Again, I think feud should be ended at Mania, not started. Right. But that's one I can probably get over. I, I I can too. I think certain people would be really pissed about it. But Roman's been so good in this role. Like I can see him like breaking the record for the title reign. Like I, I can see him doing all these things as a heel and just yep. staying hot as long as you give him the right feuds. That's why I kinda hope in a way, but TL it's a TLC match, so it fucks it up. The Kevin Owens thing shouldn't be a one off. The TLC match should end the feud. Not start it, but this is WWE. Shoehorning things into pay-per-views. Exactly. And then we get the rumble right after it. So it's like, it's a hard reset I mean, he's for a lot of feuds. Kevin, I mean, Roman's got to defend against somebody at Royal Rumble. Kevin again? It might be in a last man standing match or some weird shit like that. Back-to-back losses hurt. Yeah, but what else are they going to do? Put his ass in the Royal Rumble and give him a better feud. Like I agree. It's just I just WWE just doesn't. They don't have another direction to pivot to. For better or worse, right now he's a babyface, and you can always do him versus Sami Zayn. You can. With revolt reversed roles this. Time. I feel like they're gonna book Sami Zayn versus Big E for TLC. I'm alright with that. I feel like they're going in that direction. It seems like they, they are. They could wait until the Royal Rumble. Big E can't take a loss yet. Like, yeah. when Big E gets into a title shot. Oh, he's going to win. You got to have him yeah. win. So, I don't know if I want Sammy to lose. I, I don't either. So that's why they may hold that off until Royal Rumble. But it feels yeah. like they're moving in that direction with Big E and Sammy. Even if he loses at the Rumble, that's cool. Like, I this is a good year to bring back that ladder match for the IC title. Yeah, I agree. Because you got a lot of people that really could show out in that match. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out over the weekend. We want to thank you guys for listening to the show. As always, we have plenty of content coming up during the holidays. You guys usually enjoy it. We enjoy making it. And these year-end lists always go crazy on social media. You're guaranteed a few goddamn hell moments. So make sure you guys listen to those shows. In the meantime, follow us on social media. At Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Check out our other show as well, Wrestling with Stereotypes on adfreeshows.com. Great interviews going down over there with wrestlers talking about their journey as minorities in the industry. And make sure you guys are staying safe. I know a lot of us seeing family, maybe not traveling, all this stuff. Listen, let's get through this final phase together and stay safe, stay healthy, stay Rona-free so we can keep chopping it up every week. We appreciate you guys. We really do. Shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to the network, Blue Wire. 
Until next week, we're out. Peace. On the